you've been sitting for a while, let's, uh, let's stand and we'll pray together and then we'll have a look at our study. Please stand with me. Father, thank you that uh, today we have an opportunity to open your word again. Please speak to us. Please impact our lives. We've been encouraged to look beyond our own uh, backyard here and think of what you can do in the community, what you can do in this nation, what you can do in ministry through this church. Please speak to us and help us to learn something that will help us on that journey today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our study in the book of uh, Genesis, just move that over there, um, has brought us to chapter 10 and 11 today and uh, it's, uh, it's been a good study and it's interesting how God puts things together. Today is Mission Sunday and I can assure you that we didn't uh, do any planning about what messages would come up at what part of the series and so on and who would be sharing and, uh, at that time. But being Mission Sunday today, I thought it was very interesting that we get the story of the Tower of Babel or Babel, whatever you want to call it, uh, because it has some really interesting things to consider about people being content where they are and not wanting to do the things that God wants them to do. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just in way of recap, um, remember that Genesis is a book of beginnings. We have seen uh, the creation of the universe and the creation of man. We've seen the fall of man uh, as Adam and Eve sinned and were removed from the Garden of Eden. We've seen the wickedness of man increase as man multiplied and got worse and worse. We've seen the judgment of God uh, with the flood and the rescue of Noah and his family. And now we come to the world beginning all over again. We get a second chance. Isn't that great? God's given a second chance. And uh, Noah and his family have been given a responsibility. Now in chapter 10, it contains what's known as the table of the nations. It shows uh, how the nations of the world came from the three sons of Noah. Now we might be tempted to just skip through the names um, and... uh, and not take uh, much notice of them, but they are important uh, to unlocking many of the things in the Bible. Uh, I want to say to you, in fact, the more uh, of these names that you can identify here, the more that you will understand the key players uh, in the Bible. Uh, But for the sake of time now, I want to encourage you, read it for yourself. Read chapter 10, digest it, Think about those names. See where God uh, in his plan has put together uh, all these groups of people. Scholars agree, uh, because I'm certainly no scholar so I'm no authority on this, but I can assure you that scholars agree that chapter 10 is one of the most accurate accounts that we have in history of the early development of the human race. And they acknowledge that whether they're Christians or not Christians. So that is a fact that this uh, chapter, these names and these genealogies are used to date the history of the world and that's how how much of an authority uh, the scholars put on this particular chapter. Important to know that. Uh, It was probably... Uh, recorded by uh, Shem because his lineage in chapter 10 and 11 have the most said about them and it's thought that he was probably the one who took that information and was able to uh, to put it down. Uh, and then, of course, we have um, 
the fact that people were dispersed everywhere and so it wouldn't have been all that easy to get this information and to keep these genealogies as they are but they're there for a very important reason. There are 70 nations listed in all uh, from Japheth uh, 14, from uh, the sons of Ham 30 and 26 from Shem. By way of clarification I want to say that the author has not put chapter 10 and chapter 11 in chronological order and that's important to remember. Chapter 10 verse 5 says, The people spread out in their lands, each to his own language, by clan in nations. And then we come to chapter 11 and it says, uh, Now the whole earth had one language and a common speech. So immediately we have a problem. Uh, How does that fit together? But in chapter 10, the writer describes the spread of the people and their languages, but in chapter 11 he tells us why that happened. But chapter 11 happens before chapter 10. Uh, After the flood, God said to Noah in chapter 9 and verse 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what chapter 10 describes happening. That's what they're doing in chapter 10. Having lots of babies and spreading out all over the world. That was their challenge. Chapter 10 looks like a simple fulfilment of God's command. It's obedience. No, Garth shakes his head. It is not obedience and that's what we'll come to. We come to chapter 11 and the author drops this bomb on us because it wasn't obedience. It wasn't spreading. They weren't spreading out. They weren't doing what God had asked them to do. They were clustering together. Uh, God then intervened. He came down and he shatters their plans and he confuses their languages and he broke humanity into many people, groups and languages. Um, Genesis 11 and verse 1 to 4 reveal what the sin of the people was and what the judgement of God was. Uh, The key statements are in verse 4. This is what the people were doing. They aimed to build a city. They aimed to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. They aimed to make a name for themselves. They aimed... Uh, the, the aim was not to be dispersed over the whole earth as they'd been instructed. Building a city is a way to avoid being dispersed over the whole world. Uh, building a tower is, uh, to the heavens is certainly a way to make a name for yourself. So the city and the tower are an outward exper- expression of the inward sin of the heart. Uh, that, was at the, uh, that was the problem. And there are two obvious sins here the love of praise, building a name for themselves and the love of security, building a city so you don't have to take any risks, you don't have to reach out. Now we should not seek to find joy in building a name for ourselves and seeking praise for ourselves. We should seek to find joy in praising God and knowing him. His will is not that we find security in cities but that we find our security in God and that's what he was trying to teach these people. Uh, How sinful is mankind? Even after the flood, uh, what a vivid picture of what God thinks of sin and how he judges it and a warning against sin for Noah and his descendants. It turns out they were no better after the flood than they were before the flood. Isn't that amazing? Hmm, says something about the human heart, I think. 
The human heart is just like it was with Adam and Eve. People will decide to do whatever's best for themselves, masters of their own destiny or should I say their own destruction. Now apart from redeeming grace and faith in Jesus Christ, that fact will never change. The human heart will never change unless we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now two things in verse 5 signal uh, that man has been put in his place. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Now God calls them men or it's translated another way. It could be said children of men or sons of Adam in uh, verse 5 there. But the building of this city and the tower are similar to what Adam did when he rebelled against God and took the fruit. At the end of the day, the people made up their mind they were going to do something that suited themselves, not what God had asked them to do. Adam and Eve had a clear instruction, all the things that they could do and something that they were told they were not able to do and so they chose to do what they were not able to do and these people were told, disperse amongst the country, all over the earth, flood, fill the land but they didn't do that. They clustered together and they started to build this temple. Um, The sin nature of Adam is alive and well in this group of people. The second thing to notice is that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. I've got a question. Does this mean that God needed to go to Specsavers? I like that ad on the TV where the old couple get on the ride <laughs> and then you see Grandma pulling her undies out and, and the old fella saying, what sort of cheese was that? <laughs> they got a problem with their eyesight so they got into the wrong place. Has God got a problem with his eyesight here? Because it says that he came down to see the tower. Uh, is his eyesight so poor that he needed a close-up look? This tower is so far from heaven that God can't see it from heaven. It's that sort of assumption. The tower is is so far away from where they thought it really was that you can't even see it. But of course we know that God sees everything, everywhere. Good thing never to forget actually. God does see everything. But to make the point, the writer seems to emphasise that this great tower that was reaching to the heavens was really nothing but a joke. You know, it was so insignificant that it was like God, well, I'll have to go down there to see this so-called important thing that they're doing because it, it is so small and insignificant it really amounts to nothing. Uh, man's efforts to reach the heavens will always fall very, very far short of the mark. And uh, interesting, you know, that uh, uh, the Burj Tower in Dubai is 830 metres high. Now, our Eureka Tower in Melbourne is 297 metres high, so we've got a long way to go before we ever get a big tower. But I want to tell you, the Chinese have already decided that they're going to beat the people, the Saudi Arabians in Dubai and you know where they're building a new tower that is going to be bigger? It's over 830 metres high. 
They're building it in Shangcha in China, which is where ICC started, the mission we've been talking about this morning. The Chinese are building a tower higher than this Burj Tower in Dubai. They're almost a kilometre, it's isn't that amazing, almost a kilometre in the air with this tower. But you know what? God would still need his glasses to see it. It is so insignificant, so insignificant in the scheme of things. But man thinks it's pretty good. Now in verse 6, down to verse 8, we see God's response to man's sin and his failure to fill the whole earth. Rather than settling, uh, but rather they settled for this secure life in the city. Now verse 6 tells us, they were one people with one language. Now note this, God knows the immense potential of the human heart and human beings because we are created in the image of God. That's very important to think about that. And if left unchecked, nothing would have been impossible for them. That's why God intervened. That's why he dispersed the nations and changed the languages. Could you imagine what man would do if he had no restraints? And that's what this is teaching us here. So he dispersed them over the face of the earth by confusing the languages so that they didn't understand one another. Having thousands of different languages and cultures, God has limited the ability of man to exalt himself above another. The world is a safer place today because of what God did here. Because if God did not intervene and man had one language and one commitment, what you would have found is the dominant man would have, would have ruled over the, over the weaker man and we would have these strong dominant nations today that would totally destroy and annihilate everybody else that didn't fit their plan. So God came in and he broke up the languages and that's a good thing for Wycliffe, isn't it? Because you guys have got a ministry. These guys are still translating languages today so people will hear the word of God in their own language. But that didn't take God by surprise. That was all part of his plan. Um, the sinful heart attitude of man in the plains of Shinar did not take God by surprise. He permitted it to happen. He knew exactly what it was all about. The various languages of the world are not an afterthought to God. They were always part of God's global mission program. A glo- God's global mission plan will have its ultimate fulfilment at the closes of the age. And if we had time, we'd go over to Revelation. I love Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. From every tribe and every people group and every language will praise be given to God and to the Lamb. Isn't that wonderful? But that's, that's into the future yet, but God still had it in this plan way back in history past when he confused the languages when these people disobeyed. So just as he also knew what he was going to do when in the last part of chapter 10 we have the genealogy of Shem to Abram recorded and we won't have time to go to that. I'm going to leave that for Garth to deal with next week but that's a wonderful genealogy to look at and to see in that line how it comes down to Terah, then it comes to Abram and Sarai are mentioned there and Garth will deal with that next week. But that's great to read and great to know that it's all still part of God's plan. 
I want to spend the last few minutes uh, just considering what this might mean for us today because this is Mission Sunday. God's global mission vision for Noah and his three sons was that they would spread out and fill the earth. That was God's plan. That was the instruction they were given and that was what he wanted them to do. Uh, The heart uh, attitude is at the centre of what has been happening with this particular group of people and I believe it is the heart attitude that God is concerned about us today as we sit in this church. Noah and his family were to have lots of children and fill the earth. Our challenge today from this church is to take the message of the gospel and to reach out into our communities. Pat has said to us, it'll be wonderful when this new building is finished and we see lots more people come into the life of the church, people that God is going to give to us, but that will not happen if our heart attitude is not right and God will deal with us otherwise if we don't have our attitudes correct. Um, reaching out this, to this community, impacting them with the message that we've been given. These people were united, they were committed to a common cause, they were motivated, they were developing, they were technologically advanced, but they had a wrong focus. And this Mission Sunday, we are a people on the move. We have a mission focus. We've talked about a little bit of it this morning, only a very small part of it. We've, talk, we, we've said, we've got a, it's obvious, we've got a building program. We've, we've got something happening. That These people had something happening. We've got it happening. Uh, we're developing. We're growing. We want to see the extension filled. We, we want to see, it's our vision to see that happen. It's a vision of the leadership of the church to see us empowered and, and reaching our communities worshipping, praising together but these people missed what God had for them because their heart was not right. They wanted to settle for a man-made vision instead of a God-given mandate and tragedy befell them and it is in the heart that we decide if we are going to pursue God's vision or settle for something less. I want to make three suggested attitudes uh, to you today. We will either have a heart that embraces God and all that he has for us or we will have a condition of the heart that wants to control God and uh, wants to contain him and wants to box him in. That's what these people wanted to do. You and I, just Mr and Mrs Average in our communities, nothing special in the eyes of the world, we can please the heart of God who created us if our heart attitude is right. Isn't that amazing? We today can please the heart of God. We can warm the heart of God if our heart attitude is right. When you decide in your heart that you are not going to spend your time just on yourselves, uh, doing what you want to do, but you're going to serve other people, that pleases the heart of God. When you make a commitment, you say, uh, Pat shared with us about the camp, you make a commitment, it's going to put me out, maybe it's not exactly what I want to do, maybe it's not the best weekend, but I'm going to go and you make a commitment that pleases the heart of God. That's good for the life of the church. That's good for us as a community. When you decide in your heart that you're going to give your time, you're going to give your energy, you're going to give to serving in this church, I want to tell you the world could not care less. They wouldn't give you tuppence for that. They couldn't be the least bit interested that you're going to put time and energy and effort into serving in this church. It would mean nothing to the average person in the street. 
But I want to assure you that God loves it. God loves it, so never lose the big picture, never, never lose sight of that. Uh, when you know in your heart that you're struggling, but you say in your heart, I'm going to trust God anyway, uh, the world doesn't care about that, but God does. You might be struggling, struggling with finance, struggling with family, struggling with some personal issues, struggling with your identity, struggling with your ministry, struggling with your employment. The world doesn't care anything about those things, but God cares. God cares about that. God wants to be involved in that in your life and he wants to work with you in those situations. In today's passage, we see a group of people um, who would not embrace God's presence, they would not embrace God's people and they certainly wouldn't embrace God's mission. Uh, they were no more interested in making, uh, uh, sorry, they were far more interested in making a name for themselves so that they would not be dispersed all over the world. They wanted to be comfortable. They did not want to be shaken and put out of their comfort zone. Now, you might think that the building of a tower to heaven to enjoy the presence of God was a good thing, but be warned. They wanted the presence of God, but they only wanted it on their terms. It's like saying people can come to this church. When the wall comes down, much more room here, people can come as long as they're the people that we want to come, as long as they're the people that we're comfortable with, as long as they're like us. No, no, that's not right, is it? But that's what these people wanted. That's what they wanted. Uh, It's like saying that... um, God can work here but only as long as it fits the model that we think it should fit. As long as God can work in only the way that we think he should work. And when we try and box God in, we miss what he wants to do in our lives and in our communities. Sometimes because of our heritage or our prejudices, we limit God uh, and limit what he can do because it doesn't fit our image of God. The extent to which people will embrace God is often limited by their expectations of God. And these people built a city knowing, uh, wanting to know, uh, to be known rather as the people who could reach God. And sadly, they wanted to be the gatekeepers, they, the people who got to choose who would come into their city. They wanted to decide who could come in and have a relationship with God. And the, and the trouble with that sort of thinking is that as soon as we start deciding who gets into church and who has a relationship with God and who can be part of the group, uh, that's the time when God's global mission gets uh, crushed. And when we prejudge who can come and into God's family and we prejudge who God can use, how often we do that, we prejudge that God can't use that person We look at them and we think they're not suitable but God takes them and uses them. And if we were starting afresh here at Monty today, I've got some bad news for you. Some of you won't make the cut. I'm sorry but I've had to think about it, Chris. I don't want any left-handed people. I'll put up with people with glasses. And I don't want any people who don't think as I think because otherwise that would just cause trouble. Well, we can't do that, can we? But that's how stupid 
it sometimes becomes. That's how selfish we become and how selective we become and how we think that we have it all worked out and we're spiritual and yet we limit God's ability. Um, What a different place church would be if we didn't get to choose who, who came to church but God got to choose. If we left the decision with him, oh, now that might be a bit uncomfortable because somebody might have an earring who shouldn't have an earring. Might have a nose stud who shouldn't have a nose stud. Might have studs everywhere, I don't know. We, look, people that God would bring to us. Garth, I wonder what sort of people God's going to bring to us. It'll be exciting but it'll be the people God wants us to have and to fill this new facility uh, and we can do something with that if we make ourselves available. Our mission today is to have a heart attitude that is open to God's working in our midst to fulfil his purposes in our community. It's not to have our programs or our, our property, it's to have a heart that is concerned, concerned that it's aligned with the heart of God. At the Tower of Babel, they wanted things... Uh, to be as they had planned to suit their own interests to advance their own agenda and God dealt very severely with them scattering them to the ends of the earth that's what he thought about their plan and God's mission for us today is to embrace what God has for us so we can be uh, a people on the move in this community a people uh, who embrace God and his purposes Um, we can be um, all of those sorts of things we can be a people that embrace uh, the people that God gives us whoever they might be and we can embrace God's global mission and recognise that God's plan is for all mankind to come to him whatever the cost may be are you willing to be part of the plan that's the the question Um, Proverbs Uh, 4 and verse 23 is your take home verse for today time's gone, we'll finish it says this above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life if we store up good things in our hearts our words and our actions will be good and out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so watch what sort of towers you're building today They might be empires to yourself. They might be ministries you're involved in. They can be a whole host of things but I want to say to you that they can be empty and nothing except the show unless God is in it. And if God is in it, they will be powerful and mighty tools that he can use. I am sure that in the heart of every follower of Jesus Christ there is a desire to communicate the good news of the gospel. Would you take that desire one step further today and would you share with Garth or with me or with somebody else in the church if God is speaking and encouraging you that there is more that you can do, we want to talk with you, we want to pray with you, we want to help empower you to be able to do that. This is not an either either or decision today. These people did not do what God asked them to do and ultimately God came in and judged them and scattered them. And this was after all of the opportunities they'd had to repent and get it right and it just showed that the heart wasn't right and it's the same for us today. If the heart is not right, God cannot work. We want him to work in this church, in this community and it will happen as we, as God's people, get our hearts right. 
I trust your heart is right. If we can pray with you, come and see us. Let's close. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be together, to share, to learn. Help us to take with us today something of the, the, the enormity of the judgement you place on disobedient people, that you dealt with these people because they did not do what you asked them to do. And Father, you have given us a mandate to share the message of the gospel. Help us to do that passionately and enthusiastically from this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.